Uncommon Women, a podcast that provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women. Women supporting entrepreneurship, relationships, self-love, and so much more. We inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Uncommon Women. Now, finally, grab a seat, get comfortable, and hear from your wonderful hosts, Shanira and Jenny Lee. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I'm Jenny Lee. And today we have an amazing guest speaker that's going to hit the stage in just a few. Um, just to tell you a little bit about our guest speaker, uh, her name is Tasha Wilson. She's located in Maryland, who's an international best-selling author and speaker, who's recognized as being the messenger of hope. And her goal is to help millennium win women unlock their treasure within. Today, she's going to share a an amazing testimony and also educate women on how to rediscover the inner you. So thank you, Tasha, so much for coming in today. It's such an honor to have you a part of our podcast and uh, for you to come on and share your story with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I am super excited to, to share, you know, with others um, my journey, my experience, and then more importantly, how they feel empowered to do something with their story as well. That's great. So is there anything that you wanted to uh, let everyone know that's listening or um, me and Jenny Lee, something about yourself that I didn't just share in your uh, bio? So believe it or not, um, a lot of people would not know uh, from first glance that I am introverted. Um, go figure, right? <laughs> so <laughs> um, I always say that it's hilarious how uh, God has placed me in a position to operate in um, extroverted spaces. For someone who's so used to hiding behind the scenes mm -hmm. or being that pusher for other people to, to step in the limelight, God is like, no, I've placed you to, to be in the front. I've called you mm -hmm. to go forth. Yes. So um, every time when I do something, I know it's nothing but God and the Holy Spirit leading me every time. So you. So do you like have speaking engagements and then you go back into being your little shell or do you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and it's so hilarious uh, because, um, you know, my best friend every time, like she'll go with me whenever I have like a speaking engagement and um, between the two of us, I'm the most reserved. And so, but when I'm in an environment where God is asking me to speak, it's almost kind of like this metamorphosis that takes place. Mm -hmm. and, uh, she's like, who are you? <laughs> and then when it's all said and done, I kind of go back and retreat and I'm like, okay, you know. Like, <laughs> you know like, the Holy Spirit just pop up and be yeah. like, oh, girl, time to <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah. You know, think about like Power Rangers and how they kind of get into it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
He's just like, you just get all this power. I don't know where all his power. And he's like, you're going to go and you're going to do this. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I, love how he, I love how God moves. I love how he moves. Like he is, mm, he's so good. Yeah. Very <laughs> intentional. Yes. Very yes. intentional. Even when yes. we oh line, he's like, mm-mm, girl, we back over here. Come over here, girl. <laughs> yeah. But he does it in a loving way. And that's the great thing about him. He does it in a loving way. So yeah. let's get into, let's talk a little bit about, before we get into your testimony, can you share a little bit about your life and how was it growing up? Yeah, so growing up, um, I grew up in a two-parent household. It was my mom, dad, older brother. Um, we're four years apart. And I was one of those who was always in my brother's shadow. Um, everywhere he went, I wanted to go. I was very intrigued by, you know, the things that he did. Um, so if you saw one, you saw the other. We're still close uh, to this day as adults. Like, we literally talk on the phone every day. That's just mm -hmm. our thing. Um, and we had a rare relationship where most of the time siblings are always fighting. But him and I, no. Like, people were just kind of like, how did this happen? <laughs> you know, Um we always looked out for each other. We always had each other's back and we were just very, very close. Um, my life, I would say in a nutshell was very private. Like no one really kind of cared about, you know, the things that we did on a day-to-day -day basis. But then um, at 16, my father had suddenly passed away. Mm. So our lives kind of changed within less than 24 hours where people really weren't concerned about our household to now we were like front news. Um, so mm -hmm. his death is very public. It was a work-related incident. Um, and so, uh, you know, people were kind of like, okay, how are they going to recover? How are they going to navigate? Um, how are they going to grieve? How are they going to deal with, you know, being a household of four to now a household of three? And so um, that kind of put my life on display early on. And so um, at 16, I'm still at this uncomfortable stage of trying to figure out who I am, trying to figure out my place in the world, but still have this innocence of not mm -hmm. really knowing everything that's going on behind mm -hmm. the scenes, still kind of being shielded, but yet noticing that I have to learn how to assert myself more at such a young age. And so um I went to college um, primarily because that was something my parents have always told me about uh, growing up. And then I got, you know, really good grades. So I was like, why not? Mm. But for me, it was more than that. It was like, I'm going to school to get away because I don't want anyone to know my story. I don't want anyone to kind of prejudge me based on what they've read in the news, you know, those mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I'm hit with a sexual assault, um, you know, <laughs> at the age of 18. So that's perpetuated trauma. And so um, still not learning how to navigate life fully from the loss of my dad and now being hit with something else that I'm learning how to manage and deal. So um, it was pretty tough. It was pretty tough, um, you know, going from a childhood where I'm loving everybody, you know, I um, am receptive to everybody, to now kind of hitting the switch where I'm more guarded and a little closer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So with you going to college and, you know, trying to just get away from everyone knowing who you are and, you know, kind of like having like a new start mm -hmm. when you go to college, how did it, how did it come about with you having an issue not yeah having a traumatic another traumatic issue with being sexually assaulted 
Yeah, it was it was rough. Um, I hid it for a while um, because I blamed myself. I thought it was some signal that I gave off for this person to think it was okay. So the person and I weren't friends, but we had mutual friends. And okay. so, um, it was very challenging for me um, to know that the person premeditated this. And so um, I took that with me. It was kind of like, there's this you know, distrust then there's this, uh, you know, someone making a decision that I didn't give them permission to do. Um, and then also for them not being held accountable for it. And so, you know, afterwards, you know, he said, oh, you're not my first and you won't be my last. So it's kind of like, this is something he's always done. And so, um, for me, it was difficult with that because stalking came afterwards. So after Mm -hmm. he did it, him and his friends were kind of like watching me popping up different areas on campus just to make sure that I don't tell because he threatened my life. He was like, you know, if you were to tell someone, I'm going to do something to you or your family. And so that was hard for me because, you know, dealing with a heavy loss already, I don't want anyone to touch, you know, my mom or my brother, let alone me. Yeah. You know, what has already been done. And so, I hid for a while. Um, I stopped going to places, um, of course, because I didn't want to be followed. Um, I covered myself up. I wore big baggy clothes. I felt that if I made myself look less attractive, less appealing, then um, no one else would do anything to me unwarranted. Um, I tore down every mirror in my apartment because I couldn't dis- I couldn't recognize myself anymore um you know when it's like someone takes something from you so precious so valuable it's kind of like who are you right yeah uh it really did something to my self-esteem um the the once young girl whose father affirmed her like all the time yeah this happening i just kind of felt like my value was robbed and my worth was diminished At any point, were you were you able to tell anyone what happened to you? So, like two months later, I ended up telling my best friend. So, my best friend was my roommate at the time, and she knew there was a difference in my behavior, but she didn't know exactly what. And one thing I did appreciate is that she wasn't pushy about what was going on. It was just kind of like, well, when you're ready, you'll tell me. But she didn't know to that magnitude. Right. So uh, when I shared with her about the sexual assault, she just kind of froze a little bit. Um, And, you know, she basically said to me, you know, thank you for trusting me with this. Um, It really shows courage that you shared this and let me know how I can best support you. And so in that moment, um, she kind of normalized the conversation for me. She didn't have that reaction that I assume she would have, how most of the mm-hmm. time will have this like shock factor. And then that just kind of creeps me out even more, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't do that. And the fact that she didn't try to force her recommendations on me, it was just kind of like, how can I show up for you? How can I support you? And that made it a little more easier for me to go seek uh, professional help. And so I went to uh, therapy, I did um, group sessions with other survivors to kind of hear what was going on and to really find language 
for how I was feeling and, and what I was processing. And so, and that made me more comfortable to disclose to my mom and my brother. And then more so after a while, really getting back into my relationship with God, because I was so mad. I was so frustrated. I was so angry. I felt like God was nowhere in sight. Mm. That's so great how um, your friend was able to comfort you during that time, because I guess depending on the level of his reputation and then his friends, you know, don't tell no one that can that can hinder your self-confidence like it did. Was there ever during that transition or that process within the months before you spoke to her? Did you ever blame yourself for what happened? Oh, yes. Um, I thought it was my fault. Um, totally. I felt guilty. You know, um, I carried that burden of shame and also the responsibility mm. of the incident. I carried that weight on my shoulders and I felt that it was my fault. I felt that I was the one to blame. And um, naturally, for any survivor, you point to yourself first. Um, there's just something that kind of triggers in your mind that you were at fault when it's the opposite. Um, but I didn't figure that out until later, you know, through my journey. But absolutely, I felt like everything that happened was my fault. I did the questions in my mind, like, well, what if I did this? Or what if I didn't go here? Or what if I didn't have this on? And, you know, certain things like that. Yeah. I'm glad that you were able to get professional help, though, mm -hmm. um, to, you know, push you through the whole journey. Um, besides you getting the professional help, did you finally, you know, speak to the schools about what happened? Or did you just keep it amongst you and your, your sister and then start your journey in helping other women? How did that work? Yeah, so I did not um, share with the school. Um, at the time, I didn't feel like the school was a safe enough space for me to share that, like there wasn't any literature or anything about, you know, sexual assault, um, really what to do in that moment. Um, you know, is it common? You know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't really know where to turn or where to go. Um, I didn't say anything. And uh, I just felt like if he had that much power and control as he said he would have, would they have believed me, you know? So um, yeah, I was, too fearful to even say anything or to even feel like I had that support on a college level to really advocate. Mm. Was there any, at any point that did anyone ever find out or was he ever prosecuted for any of the other assaults that he claimed that he had done? So um, what makes this story so unique is that his father was actually a police officer. <laughs> So um, he knew how to work around the system to not be held accountable for mm -hmm. previous wow. And um, what I find interesting is that the semester later, he actually failed out of the university. So I didn't have to see him anymore. And um, it's one of those blessings in disguise, honestly, because I really don't know how I would have continued at the university if he was from there. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. 
So after getting the therapy and the help and everything and, you know, finding out that he uh, failed out of college and you were able, I know that felt like kind of some relief and some freedom in your part, you know, uh, were you able to like finally move on from experiencing that? Um, so I would say that I was more so checking the box. And I say that because um, after he left, I just started trying to assimilate myself back in college. Okay. Um, but I never really resolved the root of it. So I became involved with different clubs and, you know, organizations on campus to kind of keep myself busy and kind of get back into the things I were once passionate about. But doing all of those, I still felt empty. And I didn't really understand why I felt so empty until like 12 years later after, you know, being involved and good in relationships and still feeling like something was missing. And mm -hmm. for me, um, checking the box also meant like I was getting rewarded. Like, you know, think about someone like, you know, when you're yeah. in preschool and they have a little star for good behavior. And yeah. <laughs> so I, I viewed life that way. I was just like, you know, uh, despite this happening, oh, check mark, I'm now, you know, um, on the dean's list. Great. You know, or um, despite this happening, check mark, graduated. I'm the first of my family to get a college degree, you know, mm -hmm. those kind of things. And it's kind of like I started uh, measuring my success to make me feel as if I had a purpose, um, mm -hmm. you know, deal with everything that was involved with that incident. So you were just like hiding behind all of that. Mm -hmm. like, Burying it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Because you didn't want to deal with it. You know, you thought you did, but you really didn't. And you're just hiding and you keep going. And I think some, I think that's what we do. We hide, we hide behind certain things not to feel the pain and the shame and, and the blaming and everything else. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Just imagine, like, how many people, you know, walk around with a smile on their face when mm -hmm. they really have to go home and they're crying or they're stressed out or just overwhelmed with life. And yeah. you never know what people are really going through, even the happiest people, you know. Yeah. The people is the ones, I think they say, is the ones that commit suicide, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Whew, that's 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 crazy. Um, it is. Can you share how you transitioned into coming back to who you are and finding your identity? Yeah. Um, my last relationship, I think, is what did it for me. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I just wasn't happy. Um, I started realizing that I was repeating cycles. Um, mm -hmm. You know, each relationship, it was a new face, but it was the same pattern, you know, and I had to really be honest with myself and say, I'm the common denominator. Like, what is going on? Why do I feel like um, I need to accept the bare minimum? Like, who's telling me that this is acceptable, right? And really, you know, saying enough is enough. I got to the point of being exhausted um, and fed up that it just kind of hit me like, okay, something has to change. And so um, after I got out of that relationship, because I was like, all right, all right, God, I surrender. I'm tired of doing this. By myself. I'm yeah. trying to figure it out on my own. I need your help. And so I was like, if you get me out of this, <laughs> you know, I promise you, I'm going to give you all of me because 
I kept placing my boyfriends before God. So I then mm -hmm. my idol because I felt like this was, again, another checkbox, another reward for good behavior. <laughs> and so um, it happened where, you know, cheated. And then, and that was it for me. I was just like, all right, I'm good. I can't deal with this. And so once I separated myself, walked out of that, I said, all right, God, I, I'm serious. It, I really need to figure out who Tasha is. I really need to get back to loving who Tasha is, getting to know who Tasha is, because I'm not satisfied in these relationships that I've entertained. Right. You know? And so it really took a lot of soul searching. So after that relationship ended, I made the commitment. I'm not entertaining anybody. I'm not dating anybody. I'm not getting in a relationship because right now the most important relationship that I need to have is with myself. And furthermore, I need to foster and strengthen the relationship that I once had with God. And so what I did, I started relearning the things that I was introduced to early on prior to the sexual assault. It was kind of like, okay, what were the things that your dad used to tell you? What were the things that your dad used to tell you? And really get back to that. What was life like when you saw things from a more clear view than the filtered lens that you have right now? Um, you know, what does God say about you? What has God always spoken over you? You know, um, how can we use that and make that a priority instead of the lies that the enemy is feeding you? And so what I had to do. I had to speak life into myself. So basically I had to get uncomfortable. Um, you know, things that I weren't used to saying, I had to remind myself who I am and how God's word never comes back void. And I was right. like, <laughs> and you know, I kept saying it and saying it until it no longer became weird or awkward. And so I would look in the mirror, you know, I put the mirror back up and I was like, I, I got to do things different. If I want things to change, I got to create that change. So what does that look like? Putting mirrors back up, you know, putting scriptures around the mirror, um, using post-it notes to say, okay, Tasha, this is who you really are. When I start talking down on myself, okay, Tasha, wait, you're doing it again. This is what you have to say and really start believing it. And then once I started believing it, I started acting upon it. And so that's what it took for me. And so once I saw that, I really started realizing the internal change was now showing externally where people were like, okay, you're glowing. See this, what's going on? And I'm like, okay, so this is what it feels like. And, you know, really understanding the things that I used to tolerate, I don't even have a taste for. Come on. You know, and so I tell people my palate changed. And, you know, you know, how you used to grow up on Lunchables and things like that. You right. Know, you want something, you know, five course meal. <laughs> <laughs> really? Taste buds change. No. <laughs> sure <You> do. <laughs> I look back and I was like, wow, like I'm not even attracted to that type anymore, you know, mm -hmm. and really looking at that. But it's because I had to really discover me and really look at what do you want? out of life and knowing that my desires don't need to change just because I went through a traumatic experience, like always having the desire to be married, always having the desire to be loved for who I am and not who I'm trying to be. And so really recognizing that I can still have those desires. God can still answer those prayers. And what happened to me is exactly that. It happened to me, but it's not me, you know? 
Mm -hmm. And that's amazing that you have memories from your dad to show you what you're you're supposed to be loved like. You know, you had that foundation mm -hmm. that was temporary loss, but then you were able to find it again. I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> It is. It is. And and I also like that, you know, sometimes we, we have to go back to just remind ourselves. And that is the most amazing thing, because like Janera said, it was, you know, you had that and it was temporary gone and came back. You know, I think we all go through that process where we have to kind of relearn ourselves and mm -hmm. go back because sometimes, you know, certain seasons, things happen. We don't know how to handle it. So we always have to go back. And I love that how God does that to always bring, give us that reminder of who we are right. and not to ever forget that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So can you, um, with everything that, you know, with your, your healing and, and coming out and, and relearning who you are, um, can you share how, can you share how, not only that, how you transitioned from a, doubting yourself and to finding your purpose through your testimony. Can you also explain that? Can you share with that to the women? Yeah. So um, my life is really the example how God doesn't waste anything. Um, and I say that because in my mind, I thought that I would be doing something totally different. Um, <laughs> it's always like that. It's like, mm. <laughs> as a child, I always said that I was going to be a teacher. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be in the classroom and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I was the one that created like worksheets and all of that. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, it was the moment that I realized that my pain is what served the course of reaching my purpose. Um, I always say it's something that I think that I would not have truly discovered if I didn't know what pain felt like. Um, and, and it's because of my pain that I found the power of my voice. Um, you know, I was someone who was just really shy and wouldn't say anything, but it really taught me how to speak up for myself. And so, um, the only way that I could really truly figure out my purpose is to one, discover who I am. And so um, the tools were always there. I just had to tap into them. And so it was the trajectory of encountering this trauma that caused me to activate those tools. And so, um, you know, what I would say for the other women, um, my purpose really found me instead of me finding it because um the whole speaking thing it was never on my radar being an author was never on my radar but i knew that what i've experienced i had to share with other people mm -hmm. i knew that i could not keep it to myself the hurt side and the healing side i, I just couldn't keep it to myself because Sometimes people will tell you what they think that you should do, but no one has never really lived the experience. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the best way that I could really help people, the best way that I could fully live out loud and walk in truth and ministry is that I had to be honest with myself. And so 
when I show people the authentic side of who Tasha is and really come as, you know, an open book, that's what resonates with people, you know, mm -hmm. and letting them know that I'm still continuously healing. Like it's not a one-time event, right? It's something that is a journey in recognizing that some days may not be as good as the other days, but you continue mm -hmm. to forward and really understanding that it's okay to have those moments where you don't really feel the best, but don't stay there. And really telling them it's okay to recognize where you are in your journey and making sure that you're surrounded by the right people. Because sometimes people think it's a light switch, how you go through the pain and then now here we are, we got the promise and it doesn't always work like that because sometimes um, the process, people don't want to talk about the process that much. The process is uncomfortable. The process is ugly. The process makes you question everything. Is it worth it? Right. But I'm here as a testament to tell you that it is um, because when I was really in that pit I didn't really know what would things look like on the other side. But the only reason why I know that is because I took that chance and said, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and really see what's going to happen. What's the worst that could happen? And so I just encourage all women that um, what you may be dealing with right now or what you may be experiencing right now is just for right now. It's just a moment. And don't allow a moment to rob you of your destiny. Because I don't want you to be like me and, and you know, getting your own way. <laughs> a lot of times we think that we have our lives mapped out, that we're not even giving God space to move and show us and reveal who he really is. And so when you just really learn how to let go, release and relinquish control and surrender, God will really blow your mind beyond what you even imagined. Mm, that's really good. And I think you also brought up a good point about, you know, being aware of the people that you, the company that you keep. When you're going through something, you need people that's going to uplift you. And when you're feeling discouraged, you need somebody in your corner to, you know, push you in the right way. Because sometimes we can get in our own thoughts and we want to, you know, be isolated and not be around anybody. And that's not the way that we can actually heal from when we're going through something that's traumatic. We need to be around people that's going to be able to comfort or comfort us during that time. So that's really good that you had, you know, people in your circle. But shout out to your best friend, you know, <laughs> being in your circle and being able to um, help you when you were transitioning and through um, your traumatic uh, life circumstances. So. Let's get into how did you get the name of being the messenger of hope? So uh, the messenger of hope has always been who I am, but it didn't take me until my 30s to realize that's who I've always been. Um, <laughs> it wasn't until I really learned to love myself fully and to really um allow myself to be healed, to recognize that I can't hide who I've always been called to be. And so Messenger of Hope is basically a name that externally reflects who I've always been internally. And so um, growing up, I've always been that bridge builder. I've always been that glue to kind of connect everyone together. I've always been the one that could light up a room. Um, and I used to not like that about myself. 
believe it or not. <laughs> I was just like, why, why do I always have to be compassionate? Why do I always have I ain't to gotta be the big person? <laughs> why do I always have to feel the energy in the room? Like it was just one of those things. But then I also realized that was also an early glimpse of the future that God had for me. And um, you know, I've never wanted anyone to feel like they're not seen, to feel like they're not heard, to feel like they're not valued. Um, and so Messenger of Hope really came as such. Um, I am the type of person that um, it's second nature for me to speak life into other people. It's second nature for me to find beauty in broken pieces. Like, I'm just like, mm, you see this, but this is what I see. Or, you know, how about you just kind of train your mind to view yourself this way? Stop talking negatively to yourself. Stop speaking lack. Stop feeling defeated. You know, that's not who you are. And uh, so Messenger of Hope is just very fitting um, how it just kind of came in. The Holy Spirit had actually dropped that name. Like, that's who you are. You're a messenger of hope. So I need you to really go out there and I really need you to speak life into other people mm-hmm. to relate to your story. That's dope. That is dope. I love how he just gave he how he just gave you that name, mm-hmm. you know. And he just gives it to you. He's like, Well, this is you and this is what you're gonna do, and you have to be obedient to it. Yes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, it he says he just used you as a vessel to to help others and now like you said like it's so it, it it comes to you naturally and just and being inspiration and speaking life into others and i think that once you come into that that relationship with christ and you're obedient and you're intentional and just wanting to honor that he just uses you however he wants to use you yeah yeah um also recording Oh, go ahead, Jenny. Oh, go ahead. No. I was just saying it's rewarding. You know, it's rewarding yeah. when he comes around and brings everything back into place. Um, when we least expect it, when we That's we it. don't have no idea what we're called for or what our purpose is, and then God's like, "You have it in you. You just mm-hmm. we just need to put it to a different light." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Can um, you give us some tips um, to help women that talk themselves out of? opportunities or change because you know we tend to do that a lot with ourselves Mm -hmm. (laughs) guilty um (laughs) i'm what you call a recovering Um, (laughs) self-sabotager recover 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 oh my goodness that's a new one (laughs) yes um I was so quick i'm telling you like that's why i just think it's kind of hilarious like it's like Quit playing with me, you know. (laughs) Um, So my tips would be um, to stop limiting yourself. Um, Really understand that the opportunity is presenting itself for a reason. And so, and when I talk about opportunities, it could be a job. It could be an opportunity to uh, encourage someone. It could be an opportunity to... uh, really make someone's day. And that could be in the form of a smile, a hello. Um, a lot of times people minimize that and don't really view that as purposeful, but you really don't know what someone experienced before you had that interaction. Mm. And so I always say, um, when you wake up each morning, a tip that I always say to myself, okay, God, how do you want me to show up today? Who do you want me to connect with today? How do you want me to live for you today? And I think that's a good start um, because 
it makes it a little easier where we take the focus off ourselves and place it on God. And that's easy, you know, as someone who struggles <laughs> with, you know, self-sabotage and things like that. It's like, okay, because, you know, you don't want to carry the remnants of yesterday into the new day um, because it's a new day. It's a fresh start. It's a way for you to kind of reset um, and recenter yourself. And so start there. So the first initial tip is like, okay, God, how do you want me to show up today? And then you pause so you can listen. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, the second tip is this. Um, really start connecting yourself with people who are where you're striving to be. Um, you know, a lot of times we get comfortable, we become stagnant, um, and then we become content. But there's always more for us to do. There's always more inside of us. And so why not? you know, connect yourself with people who are at a place that you're trying to go. Um, thirdly, um, I always say keep a track record of the blessings that God has manifested already. I think sometimes when we're in a certain place or a certain season, we kind of forget about the other seasons or the other moments prior. And so when you keep a track record, it shows you God's receipt. Like, okay, you know, got me out of this. He's done this. He's answered this. And I didn't think I was ever going to get out of that. And so, you know, you're like, okay, all right. And, um, you know, we always create, create mountains for things that weren't even meant to be there in the first place. And so, you know, uh, really stop being that critic. We have enough of those in the world. So it's kind of like, who's going to be the one? to really bring that fire back inside of you. It has to start with you. And so really finding the value of your voice and not taking it for granted um, is very important. Um, and then really uh, do some soul searching. As I always say, the intentional inner work, um, really look at the areas of your life that you feel negative about and get to the root of why you feel that way. Um, look at the parts of even your body that you may not like as much, right? And figure out where does that come from? Why did you start feeling that way about yourself? Because a lot of times when we go through certain things or make these uh, critiques about ourselves, it's either somebody else has said something that has kind of planted that seed in our mind or this whole comparison thing comes up. And so really get to the root of that and really kind of unpack that and resolve that because just like how children are taught what love and hate look like, it's the same thing when it comes to ourselves and our bodies and really reminding us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Ooh. That's so true. Now with you being, you know, a recovered a uh, person for always wanting to just quit and not move on. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, I applaud you for being obedient and writing your book <laughs> to help women. <laughs> to help women. <laughs> How did you get into authorship? It's one of those. So, okay, one thing about me. Uh, <laughs> uh, stubborn and pride our cousins that come into play mm -hmm. when someone who just kind of wants to quit and give up. And um, God will place people in your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like that you least expect it. And they'll say something where you like, God, you telling my business, you know what's going on. <laughs> 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 <I knows. laughs> he has to do that. 
because he knows me, right? And it's like, God's like, I can't be real casual with you. I gotta, I gotta put it in your face up front and center so you'll know I'm serious. <laughs> so, um, you know, my first two books, so they um were things that I've always written down in a journal, um, you know, and just kind of kept them to myself. And I remember wrestling with God, and God is like, What use is it if you're keeping it to yourself? Like, what use is it when you keep it to yourself? So I'm just like, okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> and then um I was out with my older cousin, and um one of her friends was like, Oh yeah, I'm a publisher, and you know, um, I help especially uh kingdom writers to kind of put themselves out there and do that. And then my cousin's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, she writes. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the like, oh, yeah, really? And so you know how sometimes if someone says, oh, this person writes, it's almost kind of like, oh, this person sings. And then you kind of look like, dun, dun, dun. Like, <laughs> really we connected and she was like, wait a minute. Where have you been? Like she said, I've been praying to God. And I was like, I need someone who doesn't look like um, the stereotype. Right. Somebody that is a wild card, but somebody that people can relate to and someone who can find Christ in their writing. And, And she was like, and here you are. And so we went through that where, you know, published the first two books and then after that, once I started getting real comfortable and I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm done. I got my two books. God was like, no, this- uh-uh, we ain't done. <laughs> and God was like, you're at the point now that you really don't need anyone to hold your hand through this process. So book three and four, I self-published. And when I tell you, I was so terrified. I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And God was like, trust me, you know? And of course, I'm going to say, yes, I trust you. the process that I'm taking you on. You also need to trust the steps that I'm providing for you. You know, you can't hesitate in this season. I just need you to obey. So I just need you to go. And so I'm glad that I did that because I see the difference. I always say book one and two are still coming from a place of hurt where I'm still, you know, writing my thoughts, but I'm just kind of leaving them there. But book four is coming from the healed place, the overcoming place to say, okay, you know, this is what I've experienced, but I'm also going to show you how to overcome this as well. And it was just beyond me that I'm like, okay, God, what, what are we doing? You know, but it was really book three that people were like, okay, this isn't just a trend for her. She's serious. Um, you know, she's living out loud what she's writing and um, and for them to really see that growth and maturity. And then also for them to be able to tap into that, like, it's amazing. Like, my third book is on a university campus right now. Wow, that's awesome. People are really saying, okay, we can identify with this. We recognize this. Oh, we have some parallels in our story because my third book is called uh, Recognize Your Opponent When Your Greatest Enemy Is Your Enemy. And I'm literally inside of a box on the cover. Mm -hmm. I said, one thing about me is that I'm a storyteller. And so if I'm going to explain something, I need you to see the visual. So I climbed inside Mm -hmm. of that box and I said, I need people to see just how uncomfortable, how stuck and confined I'm in in this box 
so they know that's what we do to ourselves. When we get in our own way, when we self-sabotage, we're suffocating ourselves. We're not giving ourselves the capacity to really move where God wants to take us. And so that book really talks about not only unpacking the boxes, but destroying them. And those boxes could come from society, family, the church, ourselves, you know, how to get into it, you know. And then my fourth one, which is my most recent one, um, is called Shatterproof, Refocusing the Lens. And so it really talks about how you get to this place of internal commitment and you're really um, loving who you are. You're loving um, who God has called you to be, who God has designed you to be, but you still have that desire to be partnered with purpose. And it really talks about um, things that I had to unlearn when it came to like relationships, when it comes to really preparing myself for um, marriage and not a wedding. Because sometimes people will, you know, project things onto you and say that this is what you need to do to be ready to be um, a wife. And I'm like, it's more than just holding that title, that mantle, but do you really understand what um, divine union is? Do you really understand how you have to come to the table whole and you have to come to the table knowing yourself and not placing the responsibility on someone else to fill you. And so I really talk about what life looks like um, from that lens, because most of the time people think, okay, you're glowing and you're happy. It must be a man, but it's like, actually it's the relationship I have with the Lord. Listen, cause I'm already having this joy inside and whoever I marry, he has to add to that. He can't take away or he can't give me something that he wasn't designed to give. You know, the only type of joy that you can feel, it has to come from your relationship with God, first and foremost. So that's where that one kind of came in to say, let's refocus the lens a little bit and not look at singleness as a deficit. You know? Mm -hmm. He was dropping some gems right there. I hope you viewers are, are tuning and listening in and taking notes. Definitely. I love that. I love how I just love how you're you're like, you know, because it's true what you say. People think because you're happy and, and you have so much peace that it's always something else. What is really not what it is. Mm -hmm. you know? So and I love how you just pointed that out like, no, it's my relationship with Christ that I'm like this. You know, I've always come with a term like where it's not my thing. My word for me is. I am not self-made. I am God-made. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So definitely. Uh, is there anything, do you want, do you have anything else you would like to express or share that we didn't cover this evening? Uh, no, just um, a few things for everyone to kind of walk away with. And I tell myself this every day. Um, and you can make it personal by filling your name in the blank. But, you know, I say, you know, I remind myself that my voice has value, my life has purpose, and to always embrace the greatness within. Um, and that's just something I remind myself, whether it's um, an alert on my phone, I'm, I'm saying it out loud, but it's just one of those things that kind of keep me grounded and, and centered to know that um, no matter what it looks like, no matter how I feel, this is the truth, you know? And yeah. so I just think it's important for everyone to, to know that. Mm, that's amazing. 
Can you speak on um, how you came about with the royalty refined movement and, you know, where we can check out your books and all the good stuff you're doing for the community and women? Yes. So royalty refined is, again, one of those... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here minding my business and, you know, the Holy Spirit is like, oh, yeah, here you go. And just kind of put in your hands. And I'm like, what what is this? And so um, I'm on vacation, actually. Right. It's a group of my friends on vacation. And um, I just kept hearing royalty refined. And I was like, Mm. what is this? What, 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 What? You know, what is going on? And I just kept hearing it. And so I'm looking it up and I'm like, what does refined mean? You know, you know, what are we doing here? Because of course, royalty, we understand what that is. Right. Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time. And um, which is so funny because my favorite color is purple. So I'm like, all right, you know, but refined is basically to sharpen, to make new. And so I'm like, okay, royalty meaning that's already my identity, that's already in my DNA. But to be refined is to continually be made new. So royalty refined. Okay. And so when I looked at it, I was like, all right, God, what are we doing now? You know, <laughs> what, what's happening? Because again, I was okay being an author. <laughs> And, and, you know, going to these places and speaking and God was like, no, but I also need you to have this movement too. And so Royalty Refined is really um, a sisterhood, is a, a nationwide movement of, you know, women who build this online community um, mm-hmm. where we encourage and empower one another, where we take down the falsehood of what society has placed our identity to be and really step into the truth of who we are and really understanding that um, our trauma doesn't define who we are. It's all about polishing our stories, our testimonies, and really sharpening who we were always created to be. And so we have um, two events each year. We have one in March, and then we have one in September. So in March, um, it's more intimate. Before COVID, we actually had it in person. It was like a tea party theme. But we really talk about different things that um, really go against the grain. So uh, we'll talk about what does it mean to really balance what life looks like? Um, you know, when people kind of go through this, uh, wanting to make an image on social media versus making an impact. And so we talk about those things and have speakers come in. Um, you know, uh, September is more bigger. It's our conference. Um, it's called the Honesty Member of Conference. And we've talked about mental health, ministry, um, motherhood, marriage, all of those things. And really, talk about how those are just unique identifiers, but they're not necessarily who we are. And sometimes we hide behind those um, titles as a badge of honor. And, you know, God is like, when those things are stripped away, who are you at the end of the day? So we come in and, you know, we have speakers and things like that. And it's, it's been really amazing um, that, you know, people have really gotten breakthroughs through this, you know, and I'm just like, all right, God, you chose little old me. <laughs> this dark movement where, you know, people's lives are truly being transformed. And so um, we have a group on Facebook um, and I'll do like Motivational Mondays, Thankful Thursdays and things like that. And um, it's so funny because people used to think I was crazy for having these like thankful Thursday videos. And it's like, well, what is the purpose? Like you're sitting here and you're saying what you're thankful for. And and I said, really, because sometimes we get caught up in the hustle and bustle that we don't mm-hmm. We lose it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, 
you know, and what I love is that I don't have to be anyone but myself to, to build this community and to, you know, foster sisterhood around the world. And so um, I love it. And it's just amazing to me because, again, that is just the fruit of um, what God has planted inside of me. It was kind of like, you know, use your pain, use your story for a purpose, use it to empower other people and, you know, be a sounder board for those who feel silenced. Um, I've also done um, a campaign t-shirts for sexual assault awareness. Um, and that kind of stems from really reminding us, like for people who may not be as vocal to share their experience, but to walk around with a t-shirt that talks about, um, you know, the power of consent and saying that they're not for sale, like that we're not property. It just becomes endearing for them to say, you know what, I may not be comfortable to share my story on different platforms, but wearing this shirt lets you know that I'm a survivor or I stand in solidarity with you. And so it's really amazing. Um, something that I thought that would just kind of come and go. And God is like, nope, this is sustainable. It's needed. It's necessary. And this is what we're going to do with it. So <laughs> mm -hmm. so it's here to come and conquer, not come and go. There we right. go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Where is your conference going to be located in uh, September? Because you're in Maryland, correct? Yes. Um, so, uh, for the last two years, it has been virtual because okay. you know, yeah. all over, you know, <laughs> but we've realized it's been more effective that way. Um, mm -hmm. um, and so, and we don't charge um, for these events at all, but um, it's like, we've had people come in from Florida, um, you know, New York, Connecticut, California, all that, and they're just like, we love that it's virtual because it's kind of like, I can be myself, I can be comfortable at home, and then I can still enjoy this message. But it's a way to present Christ in an unconventional way. And I love it. Like, we've had people who came on and they were not saved. And then afterwards, they're asking, mm -hmm. how can they? And That's so awesome. um, mm -hmm. I just love it because... God has always told me that I would be out in the community anyway, like that my life wasn't just going to be stationed in the pulpit. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I need you to go out. I really need you to go grab the people who feel unloved. I need you to go grab the people who feel like they don't have a purpose in life. I need you to grab the people who feel like you sees them. And so I'm like, okay, I got you. <laughs> I can't wait to see what else he has in store for you because he just be dropping nuggets and you're like, really? Something. <laughs> right, like, what are we doing? <laughs> so we got to stay in contact because I'm yes. like, what are you doing these days? What are you like, doing these when days? I tell you, <laughs> uncommon women, hello. Okay. <laughs> uh, where can we find your books at? Can you give us some information or resources where your information is located? Yes. So my website, uh, Um, that's where you can find all of my books. Um, you can also just find a way to get in contact with me if you just want to send a message to say hello, prayer request, or if you want me to speak somewhere, that is the best place. I'm also on Instagram, uh, lifewithtashaw underscore. I'm on there way more than 
Facebook, I think, because it might be the introverted nature, really, <laughs> just kind of post plug and, you know, uh, versus um, Facebook. It just, you got to really be more detailed and, you know, really <laughs> take your time. But um, on Facebook, I have the Royalty Refined Movement is the group. And then I also have Tasha W. Messenger of Hope group on there. So, mm, okay. Awesome. Shanara, do we have anyone in the audience? Any questions? No questions. Just um, some viewers saying hi. Hi, Kimberly. Thank you hi. for tuning in. Hi, Ms. B. Thank you for tuning in. Hi. Myra, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Just some of our, our viewers. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Go ahead, Jenny. Okay. Thank you so much, um, Tasha, for sharing your testimony and being uh, a servant for God to serve others. And I pray that, you know, anyone that tuned in that are able to share and just share your story, you know, because sometimes when we hear someone's story and then it just conversation, just even just not even their, sto their story, but someone else's story. Mm -hmm. And again, thank you so much. Um, we have one question we ask all our guest speaker. <laughs> what makes you uncommon? <laughs> Ooh, okay, that is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> what makes me uncommon is that I don't try to sound like anyone else. I don't try to be like anyone else, but I really step into Tasha W, Messenger of Hope. I'm authentically me, um, and I allow God to lead um, where I need to be. And so I think being uncommon just means, you know, being different, being okay with being peculiar and just really trusting the gifts that God has birthed inside of me. Mm, I like that. I like that. Definitely. Thank you so much for, um, again, for sharing your powerful story and thank you for audience for, uh, listening in. Um, Make sure you guys come out and check out our self uh, self love apparel at www.uncommonwomen.net. Make sure you come out and check out our YouTube channel at Uncommon Women Podcast. Like and subscribe. And um, I am still currently looking for someone for the month of July. I, I am looking for these awareness for cleft cranial facial cranial facial and psychoma awareness. If you or anyone that has a story or is an advocate, um, you can email me at www.uncommon3women at gmail.com. I was stuck on the www. <laughs> Again, email me at uncommon3women at gmail.com and Make sure you tune in next week and everyone stay on common. Bye.